0: time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Okay, it's a Friday and uh, I'm excited to be with you today. You know, there's lots of things that are going on in the world right now and, you know, things that are, the, the, the world is so volatile, so unstable right now. And it just gives us such a sense of concrete comfort to know that God's in charge and he's got everything under control. Isn't that great? (laughs) And you know, that's one of the reasons why I do my ministry is to help equip Christians to have a higher view of God. And because the higher view we have of God, the more our faith grows, you know, the more our faith enlarges, (laughs) you know, you ever, when you were a child, you ever buy those little things that they were like, um, that they would come in, in a little, looks like a little pill, but you would put it in water and, and all of a sudden the, the pill would expand and explode and out would come this growing dinosaur or, you know, car or whatever. And it just expanded to like a hundred times its original size or whatever. You know, I think that's a lot of times how our faith is, you know, we, we keep our faith just kind of bottled up in this little tiny pill and you know we just bring it out to use it when we need it. When God wants to continually expand our faith, continually grow our faith, and friends that's that's exactly why I do what I do. I spent 3 decades as a pastor, uh, pastoring young people, pastoring college students, pastoring uh 20-somethings and and pastoring a church. And the reason that I believe God called me to those 30 or so years of pastoral ministry is to help equip the local church in in such a way that we would make disciples and send them out to our country and to the nations and lo and behold that's exactly what happened and now my ministry is involved in in teaching and equipping and preaching uh, all over uh, the country and and you know parts of the world and also through my writing ministry you know my philosophy of writing, and I tell young young Christian writers this all the time, is that my philosophy of ministry is is that writing is influence. Period. The end. Writing is not primarily a means uh, to make money or to obviously spread my name around or to become famous or anything stupid like that. It's it's all about influence. It's all about taking the truth of the Word of God and getting it into your life, into your heart so it enhances and enriches and encourages your life. I could care less if you remember my name. That's not important. But what is important is that is that God uses my books and my speaking ministry uh, in your life. And this podcast ministry that we do here is simply one of the outreaches of my speaking ministry. It enables me to sit here and to produce these podcasts, to, to go into your life and hopefully to be a, a source of growth for you and, and like those little sponge pills, you know, so that your faith can continually grow. Because my faith is continually growing. God is continually challenging me in various areas of my life. I have been a Christian for some 43 years now. And I can honestly say after reading hundreds and hundreds of books and and going and being involved in in, in Bible studies uh, ever since I was 16 years old and being exposed to some of the greatest teaching on planet Earth, uh, graduating from the greatest seminary on the planet, and having been in 30 years of ministry teaching the Bible multiple times every week, uh, 10,000 plus messages I can honestly say this to you today: that I am still learning, I am still growing, I am still expanding in my faith and my ability to trust God in my life, and that is something that I know will never end to the day that I are, I am either raptured by Christ or I I meet Him through death. I will continually to grow, continually grow and continually understand more of how great and how awesome he really is and and that's really why i do the ministry that i do it's very important to me uh, that that you have the same kind of experience as well so that's why i do this and uh, thank you so much for your encouragement that many of you have said hey i i never miss an episode i can't wait for the next thing that's going to come and uh, that encourages me a lot and gives me uh, fuel for the fire so having said that um, I want to talk today about what it means to be a woke Christian. You know, that's kind of this little buzzword that people are using. I'm woke. I'm woke, man. He's woke. She's woke. What in the world does that mean? <laughs> well, I think culturally speaking, it, it just simply refers to the fact this person is tuned in. I mean, they, they are really, you know, they're they're living, you know, right in the moment, and they're and they're you know sensitive to what's going on. They're aware. Of what's happening in the world today and in their world and they're and they're doing something about it you know socially or or for their attitude you know they're combating you know these ills and these things in our society I'm a woke person well fine but what does it mean to be a woke Christian okay I wrote an entire book called wake the bride and the reason I wrote that book is because the bride is generally speaking asleep in my country, not not in every country, but in my country, America, the bride of Christ, generally speaking, is asleep. Now, she's having lots of activity, okay? She goes to church and she sees the smoke and the lights and the dim, you know, the dim lights go down and, and the stage lights go up and the performance happens and then, you know, some trendy guy gets up to try to crack a joke and be cool. And you know he he opens the Bible while he's drinking his coffee, and he's all hip and stuff, you know. And, and they have ministries, and they have programs and activities. There's lots of, lot, you know, lots of of the you know quote unquote signs of a perceived life. But is there really life? You know, I mean, Jesus said to the to the church at Sardis in Revelation chapter three. He said, "I know your deeds, and you have a name that says you're alive." Maybe their, their church was called like Living Waters Church or, or Church Alive or something like that. He says, you have a name that you're alive. Jesus says, but you're dead. You're dead. You're a dead church. And there are thousands of dead churches in America. I don't care if the lights come on on Sunday morning and people flood the auditorium and you have lots of music with a full band, and then somebody gets up and talks, that doesn't mean that you're in a live church. That doesn't mean that you're woke as a church. There's a lot more to that than just simply having a heartbeat, you know? I mean, you can have a heartbeat and and yet, you know, function like a zombie. And lots of churches are doing that. You know what the very next two words that Jesus Christ said to that church. He says in Revelation three, two, Wake up. Wake up. And I can guarantee you it wasn't the kind of wake up that your mom came in you know in your room when you were little and and kissed you on the forehead or tapped you on the shoulder and said, Wake up, honey. It's time to get up and go to school now. Wasn't that kind of wake up. It's the kind of wake up where your dad's been knocking on your door and been trying to wake you for the past 45 minutes and you're, you're snoozing. And finally comes in, he opens the door, he flips on the light, he opens the curtains or lifts the blinds and he gets down at you and he says, Hey, wake up. It's time to wake up. It was an authoritative call to the bride of Christ. And my friends, the bride of Christ is asleep today and she needs to wake up. And the reason that she needs to wake up is because she needs to get dressed and get prepared for the wedding. That's what's going on. The bride is sleeping through the preparations for her own wedding. How incredibly tragic and negligent would that be if a bride on on her wedding day slept slept through the ceremony and there're a lot of christians i believe that that when the rapture comes they're going to be woke at that moment oh yeah they're going to be waking, be waking up in that instant when jesus christ calls the bride come forth or whatever it is he, that he ends up saying you know they're going to to know that it's christ that's calling them authoritatively but right now, I can hear him snoring from here. Churches all over the country. You say, well, what does that look like? Well, you know, back in Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus is talking about his second coming, about what happens at the end of the tribulation period, he talked about certain signs that would appear at the end of the age from a from a worldwide perspective, and he says this. He says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. And by the way, just to clear up any confusion there, Jesus Christ fully depended upon the Father as he walked the earth as the God-man. And he trusted the Father for everything. And so he he voluntarily chose to lay aside some of his heavenly privileges in order to fulfill his role as the son of man. and, and, And in that moment, the son did not know because he was waiting for the father to tell him because there was a voluntary submission there during his role on earth. I guarantee you right now in heaven, Jesus knows exactly when he's coming back. Okay. So don't get all weirded out about that. anyway, the next verse he says, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. I wrote a whole book on that, by the way. Ironically enough, called As It Was in the Days of Noah. It became a number one bestseller, the number one best-selling prophecy book in America. And that's what got me on Fox and Friends and the Glenn Beck Show and the Ben Shapiro Show and hundreds of radio and television shows. And the book is still impacting lives today as it was in the days of Noah. Watch this though. Jesus says, for as in those days, which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the son of man be. Now watch this. Jesus is not talking about Christians in that verse, okay? I I know that. He's talking about the days of Noah. When we actually go back to the days of Noah, ironically, when you you see how the Bible kind of interprets itself, and you take the characteristics of the days of Noah that we see back in Genesis 6, and then you look at Revelation and 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and 2 Thessalonians, And you see what the Bible says about the end times generation. You see this incredible parallel, you know, between those two generations. And where we are now, we're in between those, but we're right at the end of becoming that generation again, that revelation generation. And no one knows exactly how long we have before the events of revelation happen, but I believe we won't be here as a church. I believe we're going to be raptured prior to that. But he says that they're just going to be going about their everyday activities, eating, drinking, getting married, giving people away in marriage, that kind of stuff. What's he saying? He's just saying they're clueless. They're they're not woke to the truth of what's going on. And I see the church today exactly like that. You know what? And, you know, believers in Jesus, you know, we're not unique in that, okay? Believers in Christ, I just read to you, the church at Sardis in Revelation chapter 3, they were asleep. Jesus said they were so asleep, they looked dead. But even in Jesus' day, we see this happening as well. In fact, uh, in Luke chapter 24, I don't know if you remember the story, but. This is after the resurrection of, of Jesus. And, uh, in Revelation, uh, excuse me, in, in uh, Luke 24, it says, uh, behold, two of, of the disciples were going that very day uh, to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had taken place in Jerusalem. You know, it's like, oh man, this has been an incredible time, right? And it came about that as they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself, this is resurrection Jesus, approached them and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing them, recognizing him rather. So he supernaturally veiled their eyes to keep them from knowing who he was. And he said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another? And, And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to jesus are you the only person in jerusalem that's unaware of the things that have happened here in these days and jesus said to him what things and they said to him the things about jesus of nazareth who was a prophet mighty in deed and word and in sight of god and all the people how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and they crucified him but we were hoping that it was he who was going to restore, or excuse me, to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all these things, it's the third day since these things have happened. But also some of the women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. And they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had also said, but we didn't see any Jesus there. Him they did not see. So how does Jesus respond to these guys that are talking about him? You know, that they're discussing Christ with other people. You know, they're a part of this band of believers. They're meeting together. Obviously they're being with other believers. What does Christ? What does he say? Guys, isn't this awesome? I just want to thank you for just coming together in my name and, talking about me and and uh you know that you know respecting these women that have you know brought this report to you what what does Jesus say you might be surprised he says in verse 25 he said to them oh foolish men and slow of heart to believe whoa Christ rebukes them but what specifically does he rebuke them for He says, you are slow to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus Christ directly rebukes them for not believing in the prophecies that related to their time and to his first coming. He goes on He says, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses... And all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Wow. And then it says later on, their eyes were opened, they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. It says, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the the scriptures to us? Well, they got woke then, didn't they? You know what wakes up a sleeping bride? When the truth about Jesus, as it relates to their life now, is explained to them. When someone opens up the Bible and explains the Bible to you in a plain language, you get woke. Simple. There are no dead churches where the pastor is getting up and proclaiming the written word of God in a language that people understand. Now, I'm not talking about giving a slick sermon. I'm not talking about having an entertaining message. I'm talking about opening the actual Bible and explaining it to people. That's what wakes up a church. And in this context, Jesus didn't rebuke them that they didn't know about the Bible. He rebuked them that they didn't know how the Bible related to their time. How specifically prophecy related to their time? The prophecies about who? About Jesus. Hey, church, do we know how the prophecies about Jesus' next return is going to? It relates to us now. If Jesus came today, one of the things he would rebuke the church for it wouldn't be for social justice issues and stuff like that. He's going to rebuke the church because they're not paying attention to the prophecies about his coming about the fact that the bride needs to get her wedding dress on. That's what he would rebuke the church on that. She's not paying attention to the fact that she is actually living in the end times. And the Bible talks about the end times. What's the bride doing? She's sleeping. What, What are the Christians doing? They're eating and drinking. Oh, they're, 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 you know, going out with other Christians, but they're not really talking about the things that matter. We're keeping our relationship shallow. And we're, in essence, sleeping through church is what's happening. My friends, that kind of stuff has got to stop. You want to be a woke Christian? You get into the word and get into it daily to feed your soul and watch your eyes open to the things God will show you. Hey, guys, have a great, blessed weekend. I'll see you on Monday. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to JeffKinley.com.